Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle Blood Moon Rising. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we're going to follow our coterie as they go off and do some, well, let's say investigating. Uh, so before we get into that, let's do some introductions and starting off to my right. Hi, my name is Mike, and I'm playing Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. Mm, yes. Yes, indeed. And to Marcus is right. Hi, I'm John, and I'll be playing Vince Markovich of Clan Tremere. Thank you, Vince. And to Vince is right. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rom the Shaman. And I am of uh, House Malkavian. Got very Game of Thrones there. All right. And next to Rom. Hi, I'm Ali, and I will be playing Katarina Bogdanovich of Clan Toreador. And finally. This is Tiffany, and I'm playing Alex Giovanni. Um, and uh, we have things to do. Like, I have things to do. So many, many, many things. And we'll see how many of them you get to tonight. All right, so let us begin with our investigators. Uh, in this case, our clan Bruja uh, brute force over here, perhaps. Uh, Marcus. So, Marcus, you have uh, finished the scene, investigating the scene of Luther Garibaldi's murder. You've learned a few things, especially from Alex Giovanni's uh, speaking with the dead and seeing what exactly happened, though perhaps that provides you with more questions than answers. But you've all split up and gone your separate ways for the moment to pursue different avenues of investigation. So as you set off into the cool, crisp October San Francisco night, as a light fog is rolling in over the bay, there's a bit of a wind nipping about doesn't bother you of course but you see people pulling their jackets a little bit closer around them as you walk past what is Marcus planning to do to fulfill his obligation to the prince in this matter well I, I think that the first thing Marcus is going to think about after leaving is going to be where Luther was the days before this tragedy we'll say happened right uh, i mean the the sheriff pulled his own heart out 
that's a pretty extreme death. And it's likely that whomever did it is either one of two things. Either they are very close and connected to Luther to have um, that sort of uh, connection to be able to get him to do something like that, whether it be through some form of mysticism or some form of um, power. Uh, Or it's an unknown force, but even unknown forces have struck before, if memory serves correctly. Yes, the the prince lost someone recently, yes? Yes, their clan brother, Luis. Correct. And so this is now a trend. And that could be very dangerous for the kindred of San Francisco. It could. And to that end, I think I would like to potentially stretch my uh, vampiric social muscles a little and see whom I could get a hold of in the city portion of Clan Gangrel. They've obviously lost a brother. And I know already from Luther previously that many of the Gangrel were leaving, but I'm kind of hoping that maybe one or two of them might still be knocking around and maybe they could tell me if Luther was present at this meeting, this between country and city gangrels. All right. So who would you reach out to to see if any of the clan are still in town or if there's anyone that you could speak to about Luther? Well, I probably would have maybe just held either held off leaving or doubled back because the Seneschal is going to know a ton of people by their very position, right? They Yes, they keep the prince's house, but they're also an immediate social contact for the Camarilla hierarchy here. And so they're probably on my list. Okay, so you wait, maybe walk around the block a couple times until everyone else has departed from the scene of the murder and you double back to Luther's uh, condo. The door is closed again. Jean had gone back in to clean up and take care of Luther's remains. Uh, But you knock on the door and it takes a moment and then you hear the locks being drawn again and The door creaks slightly open. You see Jean looking at you. She raises an eyebrow quizzically. Uh, Marcus, back so soon. Have you solved the mystery already? Not as such, Seneschal. I do have one question, if you would permit me a moment. Ask away. Um... I am trying to locate uh, a very rare thing in the city now, and that would be members of the city portion of Clan Gangrel. Uh, Luther said that many of them had been leaving the city or choosing to leave the city. I am trying to locate any of their members that might still be around. I'm certain that with his passing... The prince has likely already contacted some members of the clan, at least to advise them that they have a fallen brother. Uh, Would you be privy to any names or locations which I could continue our questioning? Uh, 
uh, to this end. She just thinks for a moment. She nods slowly. The door opens further. And she looks at you. Hmm. Well, I know the prince has sent word to the gangrels, but the the whip and the clan, well, whoever the clan chief is at the moment, you know, they change chiefs pretty much every day at this point. They're not in town yet. I don't know if they're coming back. We're still trying to track them down. But I do know a few who stayed in town. They didn't leave with the others for various reasons. One of them is too attached to his mortal job, apparently. She just sort of sniffs disapprovingly. Uh, But, um, one moment. And she turns around. She leaves the door open. She doesn't uh, doesn't mistrust you enough to close the door between you. So she turns around. She goes over to the living room area and pulls out uh, a bag, the leather satchel, and goes looking through it and pulls out a small small appointment book. She said, I've got some addresses in here somewhere. Uh, Luther wanted to keep tabs of the ones who stayed. Ah, here we go. Um, so you have a an Andrew Green. He's an accountant, I think, or a tax lawyer. One of those two. Luther's notes aren't very clear on that. She again sniffs disapprovingly. And see, you've got uh, Victoria something. I can't read his handwriting. And she pauses for a moment and gets this kind of sad look on her face. He had the most atrocious handwriting. You'd think after a couple hundred years he would have figured it out. (sighs) Alright. I I think Llewellyn. That's what it is. Victoria Llewellyn. And she is an accountant. Huh. Interesting. Do you have a do you have a phone? You can take a picture of this. Uh, oh, certainly. Um, I take out a my phone and take a very quick picture of it. Um, when I do, I'm gonna on my phone adjust the zoom, and I'm gonna zoom all the way out and catch as much of the Seneschal's book as I possibly can. Okay, so you do that. She doesn't seem to be really paying all that much attention because she's distracted by other things um, sure. and you're quick enough uh, I think w- that you're able to take a picture of the full page and so as as she uh, sees you take the picture she slams the book shut and puts it back into her into her satchel and is, is, is that all? Yes I apologize for the disturbance I know you're busy I uh I'd like to try to get started on this as quickly as possible. And with all of the upheaval in the clan, Luther's death isn't going to help. It's going to hurt. Well, that's why we have Esmeralda now. I grin. Yes, well, uh, Esmeralda is, uh, has a very particular talent. Well, they're... 
won't be much in the way of negotiating if we need to get her involved. Let's just, let's just say that, as I'm sure you're aware. I'm fairly familiar with her uh, tendencies. The clan is not uh, unaware of her effectiveness in certain realms. It is uh, part and parcel as to why sometimes we are referred to as rabble. Jean smiles slightly, bears her fangs a little bit as well. Some of us know better. Indeed, some of us do. I uh, bow graciously to the Seneschal and uh, with your leave, Jean. She tilts her head at you. Off you go. That's all I need. I step away and off into the night. You hear the door close behind you and the click of the locks again as Jean presumably resumes cleaning up the supposedly immortal remains of Luther Garibaldi. May he rest in pieces. And you disappear into the night. So where are you planning to go from here? Well, uh, both last names are very common. Should be fairly simple to hunt down. Uh, the first place I'll probably go is head back to the Haven. I'll talk to uh, my people at the Haven and see if we have had any direct dealings from a business side. It wouldn't be unbelievable to think that the Union's dealt with him in some regard, or the Union has some idea of how he reacts and acts within the community. Okay, so you head back to do some digging. Uh, the name does sound familiar to you. When you think about it, you have time as you're heading back to your office. So are you going to have clan contacts on this? Or are you going to have your human contacts digging around? No, I think given the um, nature that it's a kindred connection I'm trying to make, I think it would be clan contacts. I think it would be a little rude to send kind contacts after someone who is clearly kindred. Yes, they might end up as dinner. We can't have that. No, I need my people. For many, many purposes. All right. Indeed. So who are you who are you having look into this for you? Who who is your contact here? Well, I think the easiest method might be to call up the food chain and talk to David, talk to my sire. He's someone who has been around who's still in the area and at that point can be a little bit more effective, especially on the business end of things, because he's someone who kind of worked in the role that I have now for the clan before I worked it. So I'd probably reach out to David. All right. So you give uh, David a call and... The phone rings a couple times before he goes back to his landline. Um, and he picks up the phone eventually and you're, mm, Marcus, yes, what? What is it? I'm, I'm looking for someone. Again? I want to know if you've had... <laughs> no, no, that one's been dealt with, sir. Good, good. I'm looking for a kindred. A lawyer. He calls himself Andrew Green. Our furry friend says that he can be found somewhere in the city. Green, huh? Gangrel. Mm -hmm. mm. Don't like that one. No, he's a shark. Mm. 
not bad as gangrels go, I suppose, but, uh, mm. uh have you Sneaky. been made aware of Esmeralda's, um, change in position? Yes, yes, we were just on the phone. Understood. Well, I've been, um, tasked with something, so I'm going to see to that, but I'll keep him, uh, in mind that, uh, he's a bit of a shark. Esmeralda doesn't like him. Maybe don't bring her into that one. Does she like anyone? Well, no, but uh, they had a bit of a fight last time. When she was still working, you know, clan stuff, labor things. She was uh, not too pleased with him. He likes the government people and we don't we don't go for that. No, no. Mm -hmm. He growls a little bit in the back. Very well. Well, uh, he has offices here in the city. Mm, yes, but, uh, oh, don't know if he'd be there now. Uh, hold on. And you hear a loud shuffling of papers, drawers slamming. He's got this, you know, he's got this old antique desk uh, right. that he refuses to switch out for anything a bit less clunky. And so you hear drawers slamming and papers falling. And uh, uh, he's got a human paramour uh, Esmeralda gave me this information but uh, he's got a human paramour and rumor has it spending a little less time at the office and a little more time in her bed if you know what I mean hmm. this sounds intriguing name's Andy uh, See if I got her address somewhere. Uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, here it is. At least I think it's her address. It's the one Esmeralda gave me, but it's two years ago. Mm. And uh, he gives you an address over the phone. There's Maxwell and humans. Don't know what it wants to do with checking up long term with humans. Never goes well. Well, everyone occasionally needs a little bit of warmth. Mm, I suppose. Mm, but you can go around, get a bunch of them. What do you just need one for? <laughs> Maybe she has a particularly good taste. Mm. Maybe. Children. He, he sniffs a little bit. Um, I'd like you to give me an awareness and intelligence roll. Alrighty. Awareness and intelligence. That's not bad. That's three. Okay. With three successes, you've obviously spent a lot of time with your sire. There's something he's not saying and you're not sure why but you get the feeling that there's something he hasn't mentioned that he knows something do I know if it's about this paramour or this gangrel or is it something about Esmeralda he's not can I tell the, the subject matter based on the context you think he's withholding something about green you know, we are going to really be um, 
put in a very difficult position with Esmeralda's elevation to this position, potentially. Um, she's, of course, uh, operates a lot differently than, than Luther did. And so anything that you can give me that would assist, especially if we're going in knowing that maybe he doesn't play fair with our clan all the time, would be, of course, very much appreciated, sire. Uh, there's no reason to uh, coddle me at this point. Mm. You don't like don't like to share other people's. All right. <sighs> Rumor has it Green asked the prince permission to sire his paramour. And they well, Esmeralda said it didn't go well. I see. Well, it's understandable, especially given the factors. Yes. And this was fair, fairly fairly recent, well, recent as humans go. Um, there were some tension issues afterwards. Luther might have paid him a visit. Ah. Uh. Well, that is fascinating. You hear a sort of disgruntled snort on the other end. Just personal business, don't like... Mm. But if you're doing things for the prince, which I hear... Mm -hmm. Indeed, I'm attempting in some ways to erase my own marked history, you understand. Yes, always good to get rid of those debts. We don't want that. No. Correct. Mm. I've never liked having that hanging over your head, Marcus. Not good for the clan. No. no. And you would think after the years of service in the war, I would get a bit of a reprieve, but it seems the prince is not willing to give up the chips until they decide. There's another snort, but this one sounds slightly more sarcastic. Like, when you get to be my age, Marcus, you'll understand the, these Camarilla. They never give anything up unless they absolutely have to. Well, they'd better be careful. Mm. Oakland's not far. Careful what you say on the phone, Marcus. You never know who's listening. But we should uh, have a drink sometime. Indeed. And there's a bit of a bark of a laugh. I'm imagining in my head, like, what's going on over there? And then I decide that I don't want to know. Um, you probably don't. So I am going to um, gracefully exit our conversation and uh, uh, let my sire know that I will keep him appraised of our investigation as best I can. He tells you to keep him appraised if there's any other context you need or uh, if you need to speak to anyone else in the clan that he can connect you to. And then you hear a loud noise as he slams the phone down. Understood. 
So what would you do next? Oh, uh, well, I have another call to place. Um, I'm, I place an order for dinner. There's a there is a restaurant in Chinatown that I tend to prefer. And I am going to place said order for pickup and uh, drop off a very small envelope with some very specific instructions. All right. So we will leave you for the moment as you are getting your uh, Chinese takeout. And we will switch the camera over for the moment to Vince. So Vince, our youngest kindred over here, uh, what are your plans for the rest of the evening? Alex Giovanni offered to let you come back to their their place as they were doing investigative work, but you decided you had other things to do at the moment. So what are those things? Yeah, I didn't really want to mention it around the rest of the group <laughs> because it's not the best news. Um, <laughs> so I have the notebook of my sire, which happened to be found at, in a pure coincidence, I'm sure at the uh, the murder scene of the prince's clan brother. So <laughs> I'm going to be checking that out. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure there's no connection whatsoever. Just complete accident. I Look, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure this Lewis pickpocketed her and was using this to blackmail her somehow. And just, that's why it's there. Um, so yes, I am going to be going through her notebook and knowing that she'll try and kill me <laughs> if she finds out that I did. Um, Are you going back home to do this? Are you going to a neutral location? Where would you go? I'm inclined to go back to my uh, back to my home, yeah. Yeah, back to my haunted little bungalow. <laughs> oh, your haunted bungalow, yes. Alright. Uh, so you wend your way back to your bungalow with lots of confusing, complicated thoughts in your head. And uh, there's just so much going on. And perhaps you're feeling a little bit lost at this point with all of the, the hierarchy and social graces, but also the complicated undercurrents that you're sensing, but you don't understand at the moment. But on, t on top of all of that, you have this whole notebook business to deal with. And so you put the, the key into the lock, turn the handle, the door swings open, and a book comes flying at your head. <laughs> ah, it, you know what? No, he's not expecting it. His mind is somewhere else. It full on hits Vince in the face. Um, he's just like, oh, oh, ow, why? You, you gingerly feel the bit of nose that this book just slammed into, and it's a bit tender. It'll heal quickly, mm -hmm. but, you know, you you got hit in the face, thankfully, with a copy of Gulliver's Travels and not War and Peace, so at least there's that. Uh, but... So the ghost has gone easy on me. I get it. <laughs> they they perhaps don't want to damage you too much just yet, but you have been hit in the face with a book. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he's going to take just a deep breath and walk in. He's going to like close the door. I'm very sorry. I'm going to go and if your book is on the table, I'll read to you. <laughs> um, and he's going to walk into the library after taking off his jacket and hanging it up in the, you know, next to the door. And you'll just, oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you hang up your, your coat uh, and go to the library and you hear dissonant whispers echoing along the hallway behind you, which is normal for your bungalow. Yeah. And... You you go into your into your library and the ghost's book is open on the table, sitting there. And the pages the pages are turning slightly in a non existent breeze. Realizing that I've got to uh do some serious like bridge mending because keeping keeping on the level with your housemates is important, you guys. Um, he's going to sit down and he's actually going to read out a solid, like, ten pages of this book. He's just like, what am I reading? <laughs> At some points, he's like, the grammar here is, what is this? Why are all these run-on sentences here? It, it's a very old book and it's a very long book, but you manage to get through a few pages of it uh, and all of the spooky supernatural happenings in the room seem to quiet down and you feel a calmer presence around you as as you start reading out loud. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, he's, he's just going to go through like, normally he'd only do a paragraph or two. Today he's going to do like a couple of pages. Hoping against hope that he'll distract himself as well as... <laughs> make things just a little easier to live it, <laughs> to live here. Well, if, if living's the verb for what Vince does anymore. Um, but yeah, he just softly closes the book when he's done. He's like, now I'm very sorry about what happened. Um, but also, I don't think it's okay for you to throw books at me when I come in the door. Just, I don't think that's okay. Three books go falling off the bookcase on the other end of the room. Loudly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I... Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't really have any other way of expressing yourself. Um, well, aside from the manifesting spiders and the whispering voices that I can't quite understand. I mean, if you could just manifest a voice and talk to me, you could solve a lot of our problems. He's... A, he sits back and he's like, it's like, you know what? And he puts out, he thinks about something Alex said, and he puts out like a sheet of A4 paper, like, sorry, letter paper and a pen. Then he like puts the pen back. He takes out a pencil. He's like, maybe it prefers pencils. Uh, he puts both down, not sure what the ghost will go for. And he's like, um, so look, you can move stuff. Can you write? You see the pen and the pencil kind of shift a little bit and then the pen stays in place and the pencil goes flying across the room and then you see the the pen start moving but sort of jerky movements a little bit as if someone is trying to get used to moving this 
Um, and mm-hmm. you see it slowly start scratching some things out on the paper. It is, if they're writing, it is going to take a while, you think, but the pen does appear to be moving. He's like, okay. He's like, well, that creepy <laughs> vampire necromancer lady gave me some really good advice. Um, okay, so while that's happening, he's like, look, while you do that, I'm going to, um, I have to read something real quick. I We'll we work on this as we go. And he's just going to take out the little notebook and he's just going to be like, okay. Where do I begin? <laughs> Presumably the end. See if there's anything in the last entry about. Okay. Um, so you pull out this little leather bound notebook, which has the the clan seal on it, but also Karen's personal symbology on the front. Um, it's one of those books that the pages have to be cut, if you know what I mean. And so it, it looks like she's been using it for quite a while. Um, some of the pages, as, as you flip through, you notice some of them are really old. Uh, it, you're almost afraid to touch them, maybe as if they might break if you touch them the wrong way. Uh, but you go straight to the end. And a lot of what you're seeing on, on the last couple pages appear to be in some kind of shorthand. Um, some kind of code or shorthand that Karen's developed, which makes sense for being a very, very powerful old Tremere. Um, But you see a few incoherent phrases written longhand in English. There's a couple very suspicious-looking splatters on the back page. I'm I'm sure that those are just uh, from dinner. Yes, from mm-hmm. her dinner. That that's that's all. That is that that can't be anything else. Uh, but you see something about the dreaming. She she says the dreaming, and then there's some kind of cursive scrawl that you can't read, and then you see in large block letters sleep and then blood the word blood not actual blood that's elsewhere it's it's just the word (laughs) but there's just a few random words that just keep popping up all across these last couple of pages she doesn't seem to have any coherent sentences Mm -hmm. anywhere Uh, but you do notice that like her spelling changes a lot her handwriting shifts quite a bit. It, it's it's rambling. It's it's incoherent. It's chaos, and it's it's not what you expect from your sire in these last few pages. Yeah, I mean, thinking about how she behaves around him and stuff, Vince is like, okay, she's a really smart person. She's really slick. <laughs> And she's very good at communicating. And then there's this, which is completely at odds with all that. So <clears throat> uh, he's going to <laughs> have to deal with that knowledge. Um, he's like, oh, 
okay. Um, so he's kind of like, okay, is she cursed herself? Um, shorthand, he's like, okay, I know that I, on my own, it would probably take me ages to figure this out. So it's not going to be a priority right now. The priority right now is trying to find stuff out. So going to his coffin, <laughs> he's going to open it up and take out a little burner phone. <laughs> and it's so one of the things that she was very keen on when when, uh, when he was her ghoul was being able to cut bridges with people very quickly. And she explained all this to him when she embraced him. She, you know, really took a more instructive role after that. But so Vince has a little burner phone just <laughs> in his coffin <laughs> and he just takes it out and he's like, alrighty. And <laughs> he has to enter the phone number from memory every single time. And he's like, then I have to go and delete it from the call records. It's great. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he just calls the contact number for his sire. Just see if he can possibly reach her at all. Okay. Uh, so you call this number and you hear a ring and a ring and a ring and then someone picks up the phone. And you hear, who is this? How'd you get this number? Who the fuck are you? He's like, okay, still fair. Pretty much in character. Uh, this is Vincent. <laughs> Vince, 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 are you calling? Shouldn't be calling. Shouldn't be calling. Calling. Calling, calling. This is less in character. Um. <laughs> you you hear a loud sort of sniffing sound, almost like, almost like a, a an animal sniffing something on the wind. Like they're they're sniffing something. That's what you hear, which is also out of character. She, yeah, she would have previously been very like, look at those gangrel. <laughs> look at them; they're just animals. Um. So yeah, hearing that she's like that, he's going to be like, oh my god, what? How bad is the hunger gripped her? Um, Mistress, shall I, do you need me to bring you blood? <sighs> blood, 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 blood everywhere. It's coming. It's coming, Vince. Destroy this number. Destroy this phone. Don't ever speak to me again. And then you hear a loud howl. And then the line abruptly cuts off. He looks down at the little burner phone in his hand. Just presses the hang-up button. And he's like... He turns to the sheet of paper. He's like, so... A lot of things tonight, they're, uh, they're really not going the way I was expecting them to go. He kind of looks down at the scribbles. <laughs> Is there any kind of words being formed? 
you look down um, at the scribbles and you see the le- there's a bunch of letters and the first few lines are very scraggly and not very straight. You know, like a child mm-hmm. almost learning how to write, but it gets more confident and clear uh, the longer it goes on. But you see in these straggling letters at the top, Hi, Vince. Fucking finally. He's like, okay, well, I see what you've written, and I, uh, I'm sorry it took so long, but, um, <laughs> he's leaning back in the chair, he's like, uh, so we're kind of housemates, right? I mean, <laughs> he's like, you can just draw a wire and end. <laughs> the line scraggles off into a question mark. I mean, we we both are technically dead and both reside here. You see a scraggly that it's like scratching at the page. It goes, mine. I, oh, so I'm, I'm some kind of tenant. <laughs> Large Y. Oh, well, I, uh, I'm very sorry. Um, we can figure out the rent situation later. The pencil goes flying um, and hits you in the back of the head as the pen keeps writing. (laughs) Ow! Um, but it's just that... (laughs) It hits you again whenever you try to talk as the pen keeps going. It says, I... No, K N O U. It's like anytime anyone says they know Vince, just from growing up a little bit rough, he's like, "Oh shit, what do they want?" <laughs> he's just like, "Uh, they're gonna lean on me for something." Um, and then you see these letters slowly forming. And it says, Mina Markovich. And we're going to change the camera over at this point to Katerina. So, Katerina, you had done a little bit of digging at the house when Jean wasn't looking to pull out some some papers. You found some things in Luther's safe uh, through some very adept lockpicking. And you managed to get a fairly decent stack of things to take with you as you as you left the house. <laughs> so what would Katerina like to do? Uh, well, I'll definitely be needing to go to the shop um, based on some of the information that Luther had given me before. Um, he had, uh, applied and been accepted into the, uh, services that I particularly provide for the kindred, so I would be needing to go into the basement and pull out all of those records and see, like, who recommended him, who finally went through the approval process for him, and everything else to make sure that, uh, 
you know, everything's everything's where it should be, but there's a few boxes because I've I've been providing the service for, you know, like 20 years, so there's a lot to go through. Are you doing this alone or is someone helping you? Um, I'll I'll probably enlist Cora to, to help me out with it. She has been with me for a long time. Okay. So you get uh, Cora to come and help you look through all of these boxes. Um, do you tell her exactly what you're looking for or are you just giving her dates and times, that sort of thing? Well, since Luther didn't tell me when Louise had joined, I don't know when it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So chances are I tell her the name that we're looking for and... Uh, okay, so Luis Velasquez. So give me investigation plus wits. Get an idea of what you're looking for and how quickly you find it. Uh, two successes. I'll say because you have someone helping you and you did give Cora the name that you were looking for, it takes you a little bit of time. There are a lot of boxes since you keep everything paper instead of going digital. Ray Ray is always getting on to you about that. Uh, but you finally, after a couple of hours, you manage to find the right box with the right set of information. Uh, And it looks like, from what you read, um, that Luis was referred to you about five years ago. And he was referred by Sebastian Melmoth. Can I get the spelling on the last? M-E-L-M-O-T-H. And... Sebastian Melmoth is another uh, Toreador who runs the Vampire Club. And you would perhaps know him under his original name of Oscar Wilde. Fantastic. But he goes by Sebastian now. So you you find this this information. There's a card with uh, Sebastian's name on it, and he's handwritten on the back in very flowy, elaborate script. Uh, Luis's name, and that he personally vouches for him, uh, and that he's looking for some particular delights. And then it has um, it has Sebastian's personal crest on the front all right so what would you like to do i so failed to get any of the uh contact information for the other people of the group well you do know that uh marcus works with a labor union and you know that Rom the Shaman has some kind of, of online shop, presumably run by his humans, so you could potentially find him through that. And Alex Giovanni being an information broker, you could 
potentially use your other contacts, maybe in the clan. You could call Vera. She might know Alex. Um, there's a few people that you could talk to to get Alex's information. Vince, he's a baby. Probably nobody knows who he is. You know he's a nurse. Yeah. But that's about all you know. I will probably contact... I will probably reach out to Vera um, to see if she can't get me in contact with Alex. So you uh, call Vera and her interpreter, Paula, answers the phone. Uh, yes, Miss Bogdanovich, how can I help you? Speaking for Vera. Yeah. I am looking for a Giovanni named Alex. There's a pause as presumably Vera is signing her answer. Ah, Alex. Yes, I know Alex. Of course I know Alex. We are family. In that we are all Giovanni. Yes. But Alex is very hard to find. Why do you need them? I have information that will probably be of use to them. There's, there's a very, very long pause. I can call Alex for you and ask them to call you, but I cannot give them... I cannot give you their information. It is not proper. You understand? I do. I will give you my pager. Um so that that way there's an easier time to arrange a meeting if necessary um I do wish that I could disclose more information but this is a more private matter that I cannot disclose I understand and then you hear a small laugh in the back ground that you know to be Vera's laugh I will do what I can and I hope you will come to my next party I will plan on catering it like I have your last ones you are the best and the phone hangs up uh, how far is the labor union from the bakery um, which district of San Francisco is your bakery in? Uh, I'm downtown. Probably, probably uh, like eight to ten blocks from Chinatown. Okay, so it'd be fairly easy for you to get down there. Marcus would not be a difficult person to find. Uh, then I will probably head down there. So, you take public transportation, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a bit on the, on the trolleys. It's a, it's a beautiful, cool, foggy night. You know, perfectly atmospheric. 
Um, by the time you finished digging through all your boxes and everything, it's darker and colder and most people are inside drinking or doing other things. Uh, you hear a lot of singing, very, very loud singing coming from somewhere. Some kind of sporting event perhaps happened this evening. Um, and you see what looks like a limousine with a bachelorette party goes zooming down the street uh, with a bunch of very, very drunk white women hanging out the windows and yelling and waving champagne glasses <laughs> in the air. Uh, but you, you make your way all the way down uh, to the labor union. You'll have to do a little bit of poking around to find the specific one where Marcus works. But again, as an agitator, he's not going to be very difficult to find. Unless, Marcus, you've spent a lot of time covering your tracks. Um, I mean, that's all relative, I would suppose. I think the toughest part for Marcus, and as much as hiding goes, is that since he's uh, somewhat of a voice and for uh, the kind that he represents, uh, being completely difficult to find kind of is kind of kind of a little bit counteractive to his purpose, right? Exactly. So you can do some poking around Katarina uh, down in the, the docks uh, and find where the longshoremen's union offices are. Uh, and the longshoremen's labor union agitator who works nights is not going to be that hard to find. Uh, so we'll come back to you and your meeting with Marcus in a little bit. Let's check in with Rom the Shaman. So, Rom, you had a very interesting, uh, slightly illegal evening breaking into someone's phone. I did. You did, yes. So you you got some some interesting things there as you were investigating Luther's home. And now you have all been kicked out. What would you like to do? Well, I've got the phone. No, I gave the phone back. That's right. I gave the phone back. Yes, Jean asked for the phone, so you gave it back. One does not refuse the Seneschal. I did have a number in there, didn't I, though? I, I wrote down a number. Yes, there was one number that was called repeatedly. Gotcha. Well, seeing as that the traditional copper and fiber optic wire system of the internet is not available to me. I, um... And I am Malkavian. I believe what I'd like to do is kind of try to tap into that and reach out into that general cobweb of of clan connections and see if there might be a gathering tonight somewhere where I could communicate and find I want to test the web and see if I can find some other connections so I am going to go out into the night and like I said find see if there's a, a place to do uh to ask some questions of okay. a, a large group of fellow clan members. All right. So uh, you can 
go out into uh, the Castro district, which used to be known as the San Francisco uh, gay district. Uh, there, it, it, it's it's got a reputation, but it's actually fairly well cleaned up these days. The clan Malkavian and uh, clan Toreador are known for doing various productions and gatherings uh, in this area. There's lots of uh, areas to walk around. There's also plenty of bookstores and kind of a few of those indie hipster sort of places that you can go and uh, have an open mic night, for example, uh, in some of the more historic underground gay clubs, for example. And uh, tonight, you know that there is going to be a slam poetry event uh, with a group of your fellow Malkavians. Oh, that'll be a good node to tap into. You know that your, your mentor... In particular, Shayna is going to be there. Oh, good. Good good or bad. Guess I'll find out. Fantastic. Then I will beat feet over to that area uh, of town. I want to get down... Where, where, what kind of what kind of facility is, is this in? Is this a little underground theater or is this like an apartment it's it's more like an an underground bar like one of the the underground gay bars uh that was under a larger mm. bar uh, to prevent raids by the police and so on but now it's just turned into this kind of hipster pub uh and it's owned by another malkavian so it tends to be fairly safe at night for your group to gather good good there's not, not many humans wander in here. Uh, it appears to be blocked off, at least at night. So there's a lot of poetry events and open mic nights and things like that in this particular pub. I'm not completely unknown. Um, pe- people, people know of me. Um, so I will, you know, maybe I'll be I'll have a little bit better uh, connections and experience with uh, others of my clan than I will anywhere else. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and enter that space and look around and see who is all is here in this space. So you go down the back stairs into this little underground pub. It's called The Raven. Mm. Uh, and it's got very if I say the term hipster goth do you know what I'm what I'm talking about that's the kind of decor is that when is that when goths discover brown yes or is that steampunk okay good <laughs> uh, it, it's it's very kind of I was goth before it was cool kind of decor and there's no. <laughs> There's uh, some Edgar Allan Poe verses in very ornate stencil on the wall. And uh, as as you open the door to walk in, an animatronic raven squawks, Nevermore! at you. Oh, this is totally Romsine. This is absolutely 100% Romsine. Uh, so you, you walk in, you know, you know this place, uh, and... A few people raise a, a glass to you as, as you enter, uh, and someone uh, in long, flowing uh, tunic and 
baggy harem pants is up at the front on the stage speaking very loud, angry poetry into the microphone. So what would you like to do? I guess since I have taken my uh, look around the room, I would like to go up to the front and make sure that I pencil myself in for a moment at the mic so that I might address the rest of the room in a subtle but hopefully evocative manner. Um, And then as I wait for my name to come up, I'm going to go ahead and uh, find myself a nice corner to tuck myself into and see if anybody who the rumor mill has already caught up to decides to approach me. So you have a seat at a small round table. All the tables in here are round and all of the chairs are look like they were taken from different antique shops so that it's this mismatched decor but they've all been covered in black and brown fabrics or uh, various and sundry skulls uh, and you you have a seat and as you hear up at the stage someone proclaim rage rage against the machine that destroys us that breaks us that binds us you have someone behind you say oh hello Rom I turn around and I say, hello. And you see Shayna, your mentor. Uh, She's this petite woman with uh, long black hair that she keeps generally braided in a lot of very complicated braids with beads and uh, all sorts of of other things, sometimes shells. Yes. And uh, she's wearing very tight, skinny jeans and a peasant-style dark purple blouse. Um, And no makeup, because she prefers the natural look, as natural as one can be when one is a vampire. Uh, And she pulls up a beanbag to the table and sits on it cross-legged. Nice to see you here, Rom. It's been a while since you've come to one of our events. That's true. I've been a little bit uh, preoccupied with my meditations and my reading, you know, and my activities. Uh, But, I, you know, I thought that it would be uh, the right night to come out. So, well, here I am, and I'm honestly... uh, I'm glad to see that you're the first face to uh, that I get to speak to tonight. She temples her fingers and rests her elbows on her knees, and she nods slowly and says, Did your third eye open? Oh, well, um, that is the goal. That's what we're trying to reach. But no, I, um... I have made it through most of the reading lists that you gave me. I'm gonna tell you, I'm growing a bit tired, wary of reading uh, human religious texts and philosophies at this point, but I've done my homework, as you've asked, and I am 
waiting with bated breath for when I can move on to, you know, something a little bit complicated, something a little bit more complex than, you know, just picking up the Brahava Gita or the Diamond Sutra again. I'm looking for something a little more, you know, on our level. We were all human once, Ram. I know, I know. We must understand the foundations of the religions that were once ours. When we were alive, before we can reach the culmination of that which is ours now. I just hate being treated like a freshman. She tilts her head and looks at you with this slight smirk. Oh, Rom. It's only been, what, 20 years for you. When you've reached 374, then you can come talk to me about not being treated like a freshman. Well, at 374, I'm sure I'll be able to quote all of these books to you. But yes, you are correct. I understand. You must spend time acquiring the wisdom and learning to think and embrace that which is around us and inside us and together that binds us all. You cannot understand quickly, Rom. This is not something you can just grasp by reading. There is a purpose. But wait. And she leans forward. And she, she's she got these kind of bird-like eyes. Very inquisitive. And she leans forward and she puts a, her hand on your forehead. And she closes her eyes and you can feel her fingers tapping against your skull. And her body starts to sway back and forth a little bit. And she says, Something... Something's holding you back, Rom. There is a... A chain... On you that I I can see it. Something you must... You must do. Yeah. You cannot... You cannot progress while this chain is binding you. This... This is holding you to this realm. Something strong. Something new? Yes. What is it, Rom? What is what is fettering you to this this realm? Well, I have to be honest. I didn't mean to just come here and express all my frustrations to you. I I'm not frustrated primarily with my studies. I am frustrated because I have been given a task by Prince. Her eyes get a little wide. That's why this chain is so strong. She pulls her hand back. This this task, whatever it is, you cannot proceed further into an enlightenment while you have this binding you to another. You must cast off these chains, Rom, that bind you to this realm so that you can achieve the next. 
Well, I think the best way of casting off these chains would be to complete this task. Maybe I'll try not to complete it too competently, lest they come back to give me more tasks. But, yes, that's the goal for tonight, to get a little bit closer to being able to cast off these chains. I I have an idea. I've been reading a little Frost recently, and I decided to tap into our combined network of peers hopefully in a form that is pleasant to the ear. Rum's now trying to get a little poetic, but they're just going, I I need to I need to figure out who there's somebody in this town. I need to figure out who they are and what they're doing. Maybe it's an individual. Maybe it's a group. I'm not sure. But they have plans. They have designs. They have a goal. And somebody important in this town stood in their way or was a catalyst for achieving that goal. And now they're no longer with us. Gotta find something. If I don't find something... I'm worried about disappearing myself. She shakes her head. This Rom, Rom, worries will only keep you tethered here. How can you achieve true enlightenment if you let yourself be consumed with worries and goals and plans? And as, as she's saying that, a short uh, person with very, very, very long dreadlocks... Uh, almost down to the floor goes up on stage and and leans into the mic and says thank you everybody that was a wonderful performance Uh, next up for your entertainment we have Rom the Shaman and there's some polite applause and Shayna just sort of laughs and says go on we'll talk when you get back just free your mind Rom, free your mind in this place full of creative energies. Let it flow. Be one with us as you go up to the stage. Absolutely. Rom wants to do that. Rom um, has a hard time letting go and tapping into the Malkavian network but they are going to attempt to take the advice of their mentor at this point and read their poem that they've wrote and tap into this network and hopefully find something that they are could be useful to them. So give us this uh, this performance, Rom. Let, let's hear it. So Rom gets up onto the stage and grabs the microphone like an ice cream cone. And it was, uh, my name is, well, my name's not important. Uh, This poem is titled, The Dripping and Ragged Heart. Whose heart is this? I think you know. Its owner is quite gone now, though. 
It really is a tale of woe. I watched him frown. I cried hello. He gives his heart a shake and screams, I've made a bad mistake. Only other sounds the break of distant waves, bats awake. The heart is dripping, ragged and deep, but he has promises to keep. And until then, he shall not sleep as he lies in bed with ducts that weep. A killer rises from their bitter bed, thoughts of madness in their head. Although we idolize being dead, we face the day with never-ending dread. He steps back from the light for a little bit and just tries to listen. All right, so what I'm going to have you do, Rom, is I'm going to have you give me a performance plus charisma roll. I rolled three dice, and it is a seven, a nine, and a nine. Wow, so three successes. Okay, so with three successes, you finish your poem and you can almost feel the silence in the air something came through your words as you were speaking them this kind of power that you felt before when you've been teaching your your tribe um, specific things that you've learned from your readings you felt it from other Malkavians when they've given performances or sung even. You've never been able to quite figure out how to make it happen, but it's happening now. And you can feel this... It feels almost like a heartbeat. The way the air is pulsing with your words. And... The whole room is silent. There's no chatter as you perform. There's no booing or snarky comments or even applause. It's just silent. And as you step back away from the microphone and out of the the, the light overhead, you hear a kind of buzzing sound almost it's almost like a vibration that you can feel and it's a little discomforting to you but every person in the room and there's a good 30 people in here have all turned and focused their eyes on you And you hear Shayna's voice, but it sounds like she's speaking with a multitude of voices. And it's almost hard to pick out her distinct, unique voice from all of these others that are speaking in unison. No one else's lips are moving. It is just her. But she's saying... The blood, the blood man is, is rising. rising. 
The blood is rising. It is coming, Ram. It is coming. You must find her. Find her. She is not one of us. Find her. And then everyone in the room lets out this piercing scream. It almost shatters the glass on the tables, behind the bar, the glass pane in the door. You can almost feel the vibrations in the glass as all 30 of these other vampires let out this horrific shriek. And you can't tell if it's pain or if it's fear or what it what it is but it shakes you to your core and then the room goes quiet and there's some half-hearted smattering of applause as everyone looks at each other and then looks back at you and the young person with the dreadlocks comes up to you and says I think you should leave now and we'll turn the camera over to Alex so Alex you had some very distinct plans in mind when you left the murder scene yes so um the first thing I'm going to do is uh, head over to Eddie's place um, and ask him how he got how he's got along with the police report. Hey, so you stop by uh, Eddie's place and he's hard at work as usual. Everything's very clean, very neat. Uh, very well organized, um, except for the giant bag of takeout that he's got. He's been eating McDonald's again. You keep telling him it's not good for his arteries, but it's his favorite. And he's tapping away at the computer, four or five screens around him. Uh, and when you knock your secret knock, he just yells, come in. Um, I'll walk in. And uh, as I head to the fridge to get my collection um well no i probably wouldn't because how many i just visited him the night before correct um, three days before three okay so yeah um i'm going to turn to him and uh ask him so um how have we how are things with the police report tell me it's done Oh, that, that's done. That didn't take any time at all. I was, I was done with that within an hour after you left. Good. And you made sure that there's no other mention in any articles or any papers. Oh, yeah, it, it's gone. It's, it's buried. It's gone. Erased. No one will ever know. Excellent. Um, I needed that dearly. Um, how are things here? Do you need anything? Mm, no uh, I got my milkshake I got my three Big Macs and I got a pot of coffee and uh, yep I think I'm good yep oh I do need another burner phone though okay 
Um, I'm going, I'm going to like reach in my pocket, look at how much money I have. What I probably have, what like two hundred bucks or whatever in my pocket. I'm just gonna Easily. put it on the counter. I think that should be enough. I hope it's enough. Anyways. Yeah. Well, can I do something for you? Um, what do you need? Um, as of right now, that is the biggest thing. Um, there is a bakery downtown. I would like you to look into. Oh yeah, sure. Are you hungry? I mean, there's a place down the street that's open all night. No, this is a special one. Okay. Oh, special. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I'm going to give him the information that I have, like the name of the bakery and everything, and then uh, leave him with that. Um, and can we um, maybe try Wendy's next time instead of McDonald's? Wendy's? Why? Less salt. Do they have good milkshakes? Uh, they have Frosties. Okay, cool. I can try it if you want me to. Try something different, maybe. Okay. okay. If you insist. <laughs> and he uh, pulls a giant Big Mac out of the, the bag and starts chowing down. Disgusting. Um, I will leave his apartment and uh, tell my driver to take me to the Blue Orchid. All right. Uh, so you get in the car, the driver takes you down this, this path again. It's very quiet, very cold, uh, and your driver knows better than to talk to you unless you initiate the conversation. So he drops you off, uh, at the front of the club. And it sounds like, from outside, business is back to normal inside. the. There's some very, very loud... Uh, techno music going at the moment and you hear a lot of laughing and chatter and there's two very burly bouncers standing outside um yeah there's money to be made of course it's like bouncing so I will uh go up to the front door look at bouncers wait for their reaction let me in they look at you. They look at each other. They recognize you from last time. And one of them just says, just please wait here. And goes inside. You wait a few minutes. It's a bit of an awkward silence for the other bouncer who clearly feels uncomfortable just standing there. But he also doesn't know if he should talk to you or not. So you both just stand there in silence for a few minutes. No, I, I make it. I, I like to make a habit of uh, making them feel uncomfortable. It's working. <laughs> it's very clear that he's uncomfortable. Uh, a few minutes later, the other bouncer comes back out and says, uh, "He'll see you." Of course, just he will. Uh, quickly. There's some very important guests coming later. Uh-huh. And I'll walk in, just, like, smirking to myself. Important. Important is what I did. <laughs> so, you know the way at this point. You can go to the back room. 
where you can find him. Uh, and he is... This time, there is there is no uh, half-eaten young clubber in the on the couch. He is actually sitting there, rather neatly dressed this time. No tie, shirt collar is slightly open, but he's wearing an, uh, a a very nice dark suit jacket and light blue shirt, and his hair is combed. And he does not appear to have been engaged in any debauchery this evening. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Giovanni, yes. Uh, what, can, what, what can I do for you? He looks a little nervous. You know exactly what you can do for me. It is done. Oh, oh. You did it. Okay. I, I mean, I thought you did because I didn't hear anything and the police never came back and, and my sire stopped nagging me, but it's good to hear from you directly that it's it's over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, Yes, yes. So, remember our agreement? He looks around shiftily. Yes? I need to know what the chatter has been as of recently. You know, certain rumors are happening. Certain things have happened. Right, right. Um, okay, okay, okay. Ah, and, you know, he, he's looking very anxious. Uh, and, you know, you, Trevor is a fairly young Ventru, and so he hasn't quite achieved the debonair air and the holier-than-thou sort of smug attitude that most of them have. But... He's trying. It's kind of adorable, almost, the way he's trying and failing. But he pulls himself together and goes, Okay. Please, please, please be careful with who gets this. Because if it gets back that I was the one who said anything... I, like, like faux yawn, you know? Like, put my hand over my mouth, like, blah, 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 I know. He, he looks a bit affronted. Alright. Uh, okay. So, there's rumors that there's some very, very powerful magic user in town. And I mean, like, antediluvian. Tremere? Well, yeah. I mean, who else? I mean, he looks a little nervous. I mean, it could be, you know, Hakata, but... Pro- probably more likely Tremere. But yes, Tremere is, is what, what they're saying. And... Do you dream? I, like, stop and think, like... Because, like, when would I have ever thought of that? <laughs> have I, am I dreaming? Do I dream? <laughs> Some... in the clan, and from what I hear in Gangrel as well are dreaming 
dream dreaming. I don't know if I dream, like it was just one of the weirdest things when I got embraced and I woke up and realized I didn't remember dreaming. And now I'm just used to it, but they're dreaming. Hmm. And he he looks around really nervously, like he's really scared to say what he has to say next. And I, I'd like you to give me uh, persuasion plus manipulation to see if you can get him to bring out whatever it is he's thinking about. Okay. It's going to be an easy roll because he's scared of you. <laughs> As he should be. Aren't we all? Seven. He's looking around. His hands are shaking a little bit. The music outside is getting louder. You just look at him. And you have, as you've told us before, this very intense, creepy, dead stare. And he's very unsettled by you already. And he just sort of startles back into into his couch. He goes, my sire woke up screaming. Twice. Tonight, last night. From the dreams. Has he spoken about them? No, 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 of course not. He, he wouldn't talk to me. Like, why would he, like, talk to me? <laughs> Some people have a closer relationship with their children than others. We don't do that in Ventru, apparently. Color me shocked. He's not the only one. Oh? At least I don't think so. I've heard others mentioning it when I've been not eavesdropping, but, you know, just walking down hallways and hearing things. Uh, or, like, you know, if they come to the come to the club, uh, I hear things. Are you dreaming? No, no, I haven't had any dreams since before I was embraced. No. Curious. So is this all that they've been talking about then? Well, they they've and because you got that uh, that ten. He leans in. He says, the ones who talk about dreaming are just, it's like they, they can't focus. Okay? Like, you know what we're like in the clan. You, you know what my sire is like running the, running the business and very sharp on top of things and very rich and likes everybody to know it, but getting sloppy. He only had a half Windsor knot in his tie this evening. A half Windsor! <gasps> dreadful. Absolutely. He dreadful. would never go out like that. <sighs> I mean, he looked gestures to himself like, I know I'm not exactly the pride and joy of Ventru and all that, but he has standards. And. <sighs> Like, some of them, when I overhear them, they just get really angry, really quickly. And we don't do that. And, like, it's weird. 
-hmm. Like, you know, he, the more agitated he gets, the, the more he drops in like, 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 as if his brain cannot keep up with what he's trying to say. The words are sort of tumbling out of him. Like, they're just, it's so strange. Like, they yell at each other. We don't, we don't yell. Like, we never, like, yell. It's just, I don't like it. It's weird. So basically, you're left in charge of this. And I, like, gesture to the club. Yeah, I mean, it's mine. But was it? He looks confused. And then realization kind of hits him, goes, I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. Uh, I will be seeing you again. You can trust in that. I expect that you will send your courier if anything else distressing happens. Um, of course, of course. You, you've been so helpful. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> like, of course. And I would suggest spending a little bit of money and lining the pockets of some of the police officers that were on your case. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Of course you hadn't. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Have a good he, evening. He just looks like his mind's been blown. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'll just leave him in confusion and uh, head back to uh, my place to see if I have any other um, messages or anything. And that is where we will end this session. So thank you all for joining us and for listening to our adventures or perhaps misadventures of our little coterie this evening and hope wherever you are, you will turn in next time. Thank you and good night. Mm -hmm.